welcome to a reading of the Adult Sabbath School Bible Study Guide for March 2013. Titled Creation, it's brought to you by the Sabbath School Department, Christian Services for the Blind and Hearing Impaired, and through the services of Adventist Media Network. Lesson 13 for March 23 to 29, Creation Again. Sabbath, March 23. Before we start, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we open your word on the last of this 13 lessons on creation this quarter. And as we do so, we want to review the beautiful things that come to us through the story of how you just so easily and so beautifully created this world. And as we do so, we find that we may find more of your love and more of our friend Jesus. We pray in his dear name. Amen. Our memory text this week is Second Peter chapter 3, verse 13. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. Let's read that again, Second Peter 3, verse 13. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 10 to 13, Peter describes the fate of heaven and earth. Both, along with all that they contain, will be destroyed. But that's not the end of the story, not by a long shot, because a new heaven and a new earth will be created in their stead. Look at the contrast between the two existences. Sin has dominion in the old one. Righteousness dwells in the new. Death rules in the old one. Life in the new. The contrast couldn't be more striking or absolute. As we can see in these promises too, God's role as creator didn't end with the first creation of the earth. It doesn't end with the work that he does in us to make us new creatures in Christ either. No, it continues. The same Lord who through the supernatural power of his word created the world once will create it again and with his supernatural power too. Indeed, without this last act of creation, all the previous ones would come to nothing. The new heavens and the new earth are the culmination of God's promises to us. Sunday, March 24, A New Beginning One thing that science and the Bible do have in common is the belief that this earth, as we know it now, is not going to last forever. For science, or at least some versions of it, the same cold and mindless force of chance that brought the earth and life on it into existence are the same cold and mindless forces of chance that are going to eventually destroy it. The Bible too teaches that this earth isn't going to last forever, but will indeed be destroyed. In the scenario that science offers, however, that destruction is the end of everything forever. In contrast, in the biblical scenario, it's the start of something brand new and wonderful, and that lasts forever as well. Question. Read Revelation chapter 21 verses 1 to 5. What picture of the future 
is presented here. What wonderful promises await us. Why is this something that only God can do for us? Revelation 21, verse 1. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them, and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. No question. One of the best promises of our new existence is that death and suffering will be forever gone. It is clear that God does not regard these experiences as positive. They were not in the creation that God pronounced very good in Genesis 1.31. They are alien intruders. They were never meant to be part of the original creation, and they won't be part of the new one either. Jesus came to destroy these things, and we will never have to experience them again. The new creation brings a new beginning. This wretched experiment with sin will be over. The results are in, and they are clear. Sin brings death and suffering, and God's law is the law of life. As God created the heavens and the earth in the beginning, He will create a new heaven and a new earth, and with them we are all offered a new beginning. Only God, only the Creator, could do this for us, and it all comes to us through the work of Jesus in our behalf. Without the plan of salvation, we'd have no hope for anything beyond that which this life now offers. A pretty dismal thought. So to finish today, why are these promises of a new existence so crucial to us? What would our faith be without them? Monday, March 25, From Dust to Life Question. Read Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, and chapter 3, verse 19. From what was Adam made, and what was the result of his sin? Genesis 2, 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. And then, in Genesis chapter 3, and verse 19, In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. God created Adam from the dust, and he became a living being. As long as he maintained his relationship with God, his life would continue. When Adam sinned, he became separated from the source of life. As a result, he died and returned to dust. Question. Read Isaiah 26.19 and Daniel 12.2. 
What will happen to those who sleep in the dust? Isaiah 26.19 Your dead shall live together with my dead body, they shall arise. Awake and sing, you who dwell in dust, for your dew is like the dew of herbs, and the earth shall cast out her dead. And in Daniel chapter 12 and verse 2 And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. The promise of the resurrection provides hope for the Christian. Job expressed this hope, saying, And after my skin is destroyed, this I know, that in my flesh I shall see God. Job 19.26 For the faithful, death is only temporary. The God who formed Adam from the dust and breathed life into him has not forgotten how to create humans from dust. The resurrection will be an act of creation just as much as was the original creation of Adam. Question. Read 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 52 to 58. What is taught here that is so inextricably linked to the Genesis creation account? The resurrection of the righteous at the second coming of Jesus is going to happen instantaneously. As with the first creation of humankind, it will be a supernatural event in which God does everything. All this is in blatant contradiction to theistic evolution. After all, if God isn't going to use millions of years of evolution to recreate us, but does so in an instant, then he certainly could have created us without evolution in the first round. Thus, as with everything else in the Bible, the hope of the resurrection is more biblical evidence that refutes theistic evolution. So, to finish the day, what should it tell us about the limits of science that, regarding something as crucial and fundamental as the resurrection, science offers us little light? Tuesday, March 26, Restoration of Human Dominion Question. Compare Genesis 1.28 with John 12.31. What was the status of Adam and Eve in the newly created world? Who seized power and became the ruler of this world? Well, first of all, Genesis 1.28. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And we're going to compare that with John chapter 12 and verse 31. Now is the judgment of this world, now the ruler of this world will be cast out. Adam was given the responsibility to be ruler of the world. When he sinned, Adam's dominion was compromised. Satan now exercised his power in the creation, causing the corruption and violence that we see everywhere. After the cross, however, Jesus won back the earth from Satan's dominion. We'll check a few verses here. First of all, we have Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. 
and Revelation chapter 12 and verse 10. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of the brethren, who accused them before our God day and night, has been cast down. And John chapter 12 and verse 31. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And even though Satan is still allowed to operate on the earth and do damage, we can rejoice in the knowledge that Satan's days are numbered. Christ's victory on the cross guarantees that. Question. Read Second Timothy chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, and Revelation 5.10. What truths can we glean from these texts? See also 1 Corinthians 6, verses 2 and 3. Well, first of all, it's 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. This is a faithful saying, For if we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. And Revelation chapter 5 and verse 10. And have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. And we'll also compare that with 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 2 and 3. Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world will be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Do you not know that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? Those who are saved will be given authority as kings and priests. The idea of kingship implies some kind of authority. The idea of priest carries with it the implication of acting in communication between God and other creatures, perhaps even with those from other created worlds, those who have never known the experience of sin and the woe that it brings. And so to finish today, from the Great Controversy, page 677, all the treasures of the universe will be open to the study of God's redeemed. Unfettered by mortality, they wing their tireless flight to worlds afar, worlds that thrilled with sorrow at the spectacle of human woe and rang with songs of gladness at the tidings of a ransomed soul. With unutterable delight, the children of earth enter into the joy and the wisdom of unfallen beings. What do you think it means to enter into the joy and the wisdom of unfallen beings? What could we learn from unfallen beings? And they from us. Wednesday, March 27, More Restoration In the world that we know, predation is a common way of life among the animals. The term food chain is a familiar reminder of the importance of predation in our ecology, and we have difficulty imagining a world without it. But in the beginning, all land creatures ate green plants, as described in Genesis 1.30. Also, to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life, I have given every green herb for food. And it was so. 
No animals fed on other animals. Genesis 1.30 does not mention the food of the sea creatures, but the same principles would likely apply, so that God could review the entire creation and declare it very good. Question. Read Genesis chapter 6, verse 11 to 13, and Genesis 9, 2 to 4. By the time of the flood, what changes had occurred in nature, what further deterioration occurred in the relationship between humankind and beast after the flood? First of all, Genesis six eleven to 13. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. And chapter 9, verses 2 to 4, And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be on every beast of the earth, and on every bird of the air, and on all that move on the earth, and on all the fish of the sea. They are given into your hand. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. I have given you all things, even as the green herbs. But you shall not eat flesh with its life, that is, its blood. What had started as a peaceful kingdom had become filled with corruption, violence, and evil. These are the results of sin. The world that once was very good had become so bad that it called for its own destruction. After the flood, the animals became afraid of humans. This included the creatures of land, air, and sea. This is obviously in contrast to the previous situation. It appears that the dominion of humans over the animals was reduced at this time. Question. Read Isaiah chapter 65 and verse 25 and chapter 11 verses 6 to 9. How are the relationships among the creatures in our present world different from those promised by God in the future? Isaiah 65.25 The wolf and the lamb shall feed together, the lion shall eat straw like the ox, and dust shall be the serpent's food. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, says the Lord. And then chapter 11, verses 6 to 9. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the young goat, the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play by the cobra's hole, and the weaned child shall put his hand in the viper's den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Through the beauty of this poetic language, Isaiah shows us that there will be no violence in the new world. Corruption and violence, those characteristics of the pre-flood world that called for their destruction, will both be absent from the new one. It will be a world of harmony and cooperation, a peaceable kingdom. We are so used to violence, predation and death that it's hard for us to imagine anything else. So, to finish today, as we can see, the gospel is so much about restoration. Though, of course, God alone can do the final restoration, what choices can we make that can help to bring about some needed restoration now? 
Thursday, March 28. The Restoration of Relationship with God Before the entrance of sin, Adam enjoyed open communion with his Maker, writes Ellen White in The Great Controversy, page 7. After the fall, however, that close relationship was radically altered in many ways. Question. Read Genesis chapter 3 verse 24, Exodus 33:20 and Deuteronomy 5:24 to 26. What did sin do to the close relationship that existed between humanity and God? First of all, Genesis 3:24. So he drove out the man, and he placed cherubim at the east of the garden of Eden, and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life and Exodus chapter 33 and verse 20. But he said, You cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. And Deuteronomy chapter 5 and verses 24 to 26. And you said, Surely the Lord our God has shown us his glory and his greatness, and we have heard his voice from the midst of the fire. We have seen this day that God speaks with man, yet he still lives. Now, therefore, why should we die? For this great fire will consume us. If we hear the voice of the Lord our God any more, then we shall die. For who is there of all flesh who has heard the voice of the living God speaking from the midst of the fire as we have and lived? Sin had broken the relationship between God and humanity. God sent the couple away from his presence for their own protection. Humans could no longer see God's face and live. The Lord, though, of his own initiative, brought in the plan of salvation, through which the broken relationship could be healed, even at a terrible cost to himself. Question. Read John chapter 14, verses 1 to 3, and Revelation 22, verses 3 to 5. What promise did Jesus extend to his disciples just before he went to the cross, and what will be the result? John 14, verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go you know, and the way you know. And Revelation chapter 22 Verses 3 to 5. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no night there. They need no lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign for ever and ever. God and humanity are to be reunited at peace and meeting face to face. The earth will be without any curse, and all that has been lost will be restored. The redeemed will be given a new environment, a new life, a new dominion, a new peace with the rest of the creation, and a new relationship with God. The original purpose behind the creation of humans will now be fulfilled. God, the human race, and the creation will be in harmony, and that harmony will last forever. So to finish the day, even now, before the recreation of heaven and earth, how can we learn to enjoy a close communion with God? 
what choices do we make that affect our relationship with God, either in positive or negative ways? Friday, March 29. And the years of eternity as they roll, writes Ellen White in The Great Controversy, page 678, will bring richer and still more glorious revelations of God and of Christ. As knowledge is progressive, so will love, reverence and happiness increase. The more men learn of God, the greater will be their admiration of His character. As Jesus opens before them the riches of redemption and the amazing achievements in the great controversy with Satan, the hearts of the ransomed, thrilled with more fervent devotion and with more rapturous joy, they sweep the hearts of gold, and ten thousand times ten thousand and thousands of thousands of voices unite to swell the mighty chorus of praise. The great controversy is ended. Sin and sinners are no more. The entire universe is clean. One pulse of harmony and gladness beats through the vast creation. From him who created all flow life and light and gladness throughout the realms of illimitable space. From the minutest atom to the greatest world, all things animate and inanimate in their unshadowed beauty and perfect joy declare that God is love. And that brings us to our five discussion questions for this week. 1. Gather as many texts as you can, especially from the book of Revelation, that talk about what the restored earth will be like. Discuss in class what these texts are saying. What aspects of the restored earth do you find the most appealing? And what aspects are hardest to understand? 2. How is the doctrine of creation as revealed in Genesis 1 and 2 related to the doctrine of the recreation of the heavens and the earth? How are we supposed to understand this recreation if theistic evolution were true? 3. Read Romans 8.18 and 2 Corinthians 4.16 and 17. What is Paul saying here and how can we draw comfort from these words for ourselves? First of all, Romans 8.18 For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. And 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 and 17 Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is f- but for a moment is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. 4. Dwell more on this whole concept of the gospel as restoration. What does the word imply? What is restored? How is it restored? And what role do we have, if any, in the whole process? And 5. What does the promise of a new heaven and a new earth reveal to us about the character of God.
Inside Story, God and the Devil Worshipper Benjamin Sam was a global mission pioneer in a primitive highlands region on the island of Guadalcanal in the Solomon Islands. While visiting the ailing village chief, he faced down soldiers with guns pointed at his head and prayed for healing for the chief. God helped him to raise up a small congregation in the highland village, and today a school and a small church stand as testimonies of God's power to change hearts. Benjamin transferred to a region on the southern plains of the island. There he visited the people and found many who wanted to know more about Jesus. He held two weeks of evangelistic meetings in the village. On the first night of the meetings, a devil priest named Bem and his wife entered the meeting area and sat down. The next night they returned, but that night the devil whom Bem worshipped became angry and wouldn't let Bem sleep. Bem's joints swelled and became painful, and the devil told him, I will kill you if you leave me. Bem became fearful and cried out, I'm going to die. Then he told his startled wife that the devil was attacking him and had threatened to kill him. Early the next morning, Bem's wife came to tell Benjamin what her husband had said the night before. Benjamin visited Bem's home and told him that the devil was a defeated enemy of God and Bem didn't have to fear his power. Benjamin told Bem and his wife that Jesus had cast out many demons during his lifetime. Jesus even raised a dead child and a dead man, he said, referring to Jairus' daughter and Lazarus. Bem and his wife listened in awed silence. Benjamin invited the couple to kneel with him while he asked Jesus to cast out the demon from Bem's life. Benjamin prayed for Bem and his family. When Benjamin ended his prayer, Bem told Benjamin that the devil had left him. Following the evangelistic meetings, Bem and his wife asked to be baptized. At the baptismal service, Bem shared how Jesus had cast out the demons he had once worshipped. Now I am a follower of the true God, Jesus Christ, he said. Bem shares his new faith with those he used to serve as a devil priest. A small congregation of believers now worships in this village, evidence of God's redeeming love. Our mission offerings help to reach people everywhere who need to hear God's message of love and forgiveness. This podcast of the Adult Sabbath School Bible Study Guide has been read by Dr. Percy Harold in the studios of Christian Services for the Blind and Hearing Impaired in Queensland, Australia. It's brought to you by the Sabbath School Department, the Christian Services for the Blind and Hearing Impaired, and through the services of Adventist Media Network. Remember, God is still faithful.